Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shear. I'd like to add, on a better note, for Shlema, for Estemal Kabbas Ruzlin, and Rav Ishai Zusha, Zusha, Ben Chanarifke. The Shabbos, as we all know, is Shabbos Parshas Dvarim. We're beginning the Chumash of Dvarim. Starting the Chumash Dvarim. The fifth of the books, five books of Teda formerly known in the secular language as something that I can't pronounce. But I do that every time. Deuteronomy. And the same people laugh. Chumash Devarim, as we're going to discuss, there's a difference between Chumash Devarim and Chumash Bamidbar. Whereas they continue one to the other, we've said several times, obviously, when it comes to the son, a person writes a get for his wife, the get is 12 shudas, is 12 lines. The reason for the 12 lines, one of the hints of the teda, is 12 lines, is we find between Chumash Bereshis and Shemais, there are four space for four lines blank. Between Shemais and Vayikra, there are four lines blank. And Vayikra and Bamidbar, there are four lines blank. Hence, compiling twelve lines. However, when it comes to Bamidbar and Devarim, there's also four lines. We do not count those lines as Chumash Devarim is considered Mishnah Teira. It's a repetition. Many things, many mitzvahs that were repeated, that were told already, taught already, are repeated in Chumash Dvarim. There are numerous mitzvahs, of course, that are new. However, the general gist of things, Chumash Dvarim is known as Mishnah Teira. Chumash Dvarim begins with Mesha speaking to the Eden. Chumash Dvarim took, as we said many times as well, 37 days to be sp- said. It was recited over 37 days. And yet, by night, we have to say it all in one shot. It was a Shkedish Shvat. When Meisha, Hail Meisha, Diver Meisha began to say these words of Chumash Dvarim on a Shkedish Shvat. Meisha then passes away. On Zion other, hence being thirty seven days. What's going on here? 
You're on the air? Do you hear? Okay. 37 days. Mesha is a true shepherd, a devoted shepherd to his flock. Begins to reprimand Klal Yisrael. Words of Heichacha, And he begins to tell them about all their shortcomings, all their misdemeanors, which they committed throughout the years of the, when they left Egypt until at this point in time. However, as a loving, devoted, dedicated shepherd, Meish Rabbeinu can't see his flock being brought to tears. He can't see it that the people should look and listen to him and say, ay, 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 oh no, he remembers this, oh no, we told him that, or oh no, he saw this, Oh no, he knows about this. Maisha wanted everyone to be comfortable. Nobody should feel embarrassed. And therefore, Maisha says everything in a form of a hint. So he mentions each little thing, each Aveda that took place, but he only hints them. Thereby, getting his point across but not shaming or hurting anybody. This is very hard. When you become so close to somebody, after so many years, and giving so much of yourself towards them, and becoming one with them, so much so that Maisha, one of the reasons Maisha did not go into Israel is because since the Mesa Midbar, since the people that died in the Midbar, he was staying on the other side of the Yardin to take them with him by Tchiyas HaMesim. Such devotion, dedication did he have. And yet, he needs to reprimand them. But not Chas in any which way, form or fashion that would affect them, that would hurt them. By the hint, it was sufficient. Da'i l'chokhmah b'ramiza someone that has chokhmah, it's enough when you just hinted something. But not to chasashon cause them tremendous agmas nefesh by saying to them, you did X, Y, and Z. There are many stories of people that were put in certain predicaments that met certain circumstances and they went to a Rebbe, they went to a Tzaddik and they cried their hearts out and they were told what to do as far as tefillah is concerned and tzedakah, etc. how to pray, how to give charity And then when everything blew over, they went back to the tzaddik 
And they asked, but why? Why were we subjected to that? The pain, the torture. To which the Sadiq said to them, You do not know the value of your tefillahs in Shemaim. As we do not know the value of our Tehillim in Shemaim, the Bashantim said. From the simplest Jews, Tehillim achieves and reaches more than anything that any other person could do. So you don't know the value of your Tehillim and of your prayer. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu was yearning to hear that. So unfortunately, he put you in this predicament to get this from you. Everything's from the Tera. Where do we see that in the Tera? Where do we see in the Tera that a person, HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts a person in a situation so that he should be able to daven to get out of that situation. And we see this here in the Pasha. Moshe Rabbeinu reprimands the Eden, and he calls them Vinishvi, whatever the case might be, whether he was open about it, he was not open, he hinted, whatever it might be, he calls them hurt. They were really feeling chalosh, they were feeling weakened from it. No. At this point, he got very, very emotional about it. So he blesses them. He benches the Yid and he tells them that the Abish to bench you, your forefathers, that you'll be. The amount of stars that are in heaven, that's how many Yidin there will be. And just as we can't count that, we won't be able to count the Yidin. Then he continues and says something very, very interesting. Yesav Hashem Lachem Kochem Elef Pomim. Hakadosh Baruch Hu should see to it to multiply you by a thousand, by a thousand. The Eden turned around and said, "Moshe, we're six hundred thousand strong. Times a thousand, we have that number. We can take that number down. But we've been bent, we were benched by our Rebister. Our forefathers were blessed that we'd be like the sand on the beach." And, and then the, the stars in the heaven, which is numer- un- no number to it. Why do you put us down? Why do you give us such a, a minor bracha? What kind of devoted dedication, devotion and dedication is that? The Rebbe explains that here, Meisha wanted the Eden to daven. If they would hear that the bracha, chas v'shalom, is being lessened, being made smaller, being minimized, to only a thousand times the six thousand, there'll be an outcry. And the outcry will be followed up with prayer and davening. And as they'll cry outcry and pray, then what happens? Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will fulfill their wishes. And this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Kayach HaTfilah so that we should want to daven. What? 
Akadish Barku. Mute you. Hakadish Barku. Should hear that feeler. Hakadish Barku wanted to hear that feeler, and therefore Hakadish Barku, therefore Moshe benches them in such a minute way so that they should daven to be benched with that money more. The other pshat on this, one of the other pshatim we said many times, that actually Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha was not so minimal. He was fart. He was a devoted shepherd. So what was he saying a thousand times though they were? And we give the marshal of the king that was going in a forest and it's a chfablonjit. Let me think. Oh, he got lost. It's chfablonjit. He got lost and he started to wander. He was all alone. And he came upon a cabin. Needless to say, he doesn't know if this friend, person, the dweller of the cabin is friend or foe. If this person will find out he's the king, he might kill him. And he might treat him like a king. Night fell. And he had no choice. He was incognito. He wasn't dressed in his royal garbs. Garments or garb. Thank you. He knocks on the door. And the fellow comes to the door. He says, can I help you? And the king, half crying, says, I'm lost. It's dark, it's cold. Can you please take me in until tomorrow morning so that I can survive the night? The man has no idea who this person is. And the man... Now what? And the man takes him in. Man takes him in, gives him a bed, some straw, gives him something warm, gives him some food, some drink, and he goes to sleep. Comes in the morning, man has a breakfast ready for this person, for his guest. The guest gets up, he was very weary and tired from the getting lost in the forest and strength, running, rolling, running. And they start to talk. And they're talking, and the king asks him, as they says, Tell me, um, have you ever heard of King so and so? He says, Of course. And he gets all lit up and excited. Our king? Of course I love our king. I love our king. We do anything for our king. Maybe he was not. Maybe he's fooling him. So again, he tried to ask another question about it. Again, he answered to the positive. And the king realized now that this man was a true, royal, loyal subject. And the king says to him, I am the king. <gasps> the man falls on his face, starts to cry and to beg forgiveness. 
Your Majesty, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, Your Majesty, I didn't know, I didn't know, I would never, I would have treated you so much differently, so much better. The king smiles, at please stand up. Please, I realize. First of all, I know you didn't know who I was. And second of all, I see how, you, how humbly you live. And you gave me the best of everything you had. I'd like you to come to the palace. Take me back to the palace if you could. And then come into the palace. And I want to discuss with you. I want to give you a reward. We'll walk, we'll talk. And then you can think on the way what you want to ask for. Needless to say, the sky is the limit. No, they walked and they talked. They became very friendly. I, and the man arrived in the, far, in the palace. And the king said, So now, my friend, till I have my... <coughs> To laugh my kingdom, what would you like, my friend? If it finds favor in the king's eyes, I would like to request my payment spread out over 30 days. King looks at him. I'm the king. I don't need 30 days to make my payment. I paid all in one time, one shot, no problem. You don't have to be you don't have to worry about me, you don't have to be generous to me. Said the man, but your majesty, hear me out, please. Says, okay. On the first day, I'd like you to give me one stalk of wheat. That's fine. On the second day, give me double. On the third day, I ask the majesty to double that. And each day thereafter, until 30 days, it gets doubled. To which the king said, that's surely no problem. A stalk of wheat, what's the problem? But my friends, if you'll do the math, on day one there was one, on day two there was two, on day three there was four. On day four there was eight, then sixteen, then thirty-two. The number of thirty days is pretty, pretty astronomical. This man wasn't fooling himself whatsoever. What he was getting here was a royal, royal payment with thousands of stalks of wheat. But as a humble subject, yes, for only one stalk of wheat to double daily. Yosef Hashem Lachem Kochem Elof Pomim. Moshe says, you're 600,000 strong. Multiply by 600,000. Multiply that by 600,000, by its number. Multiply that by its number and continue doing that 1,000 times. Or we say in English, in math, 600,000 to the thousandth power. And to that you can chuckle and realize that's as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on on the beach.
And this was Moshe's actual intention, to deprive Eden according to this other pshat, but rather to give them a very, very beautiful bracha, since, however, everything that he was saying here was derech remez, the bracha as well, he gave derech remez. Excuse me. This year as well, we're going to discuss a few of the halachas that are relevant to this Shabbos. Try not to make this a halacha shir. However, the Shabbos is Erev Tishabav. Matzah Shabbos starts Tishabav. So, for those who are listening, it would be probably beneficial and probably be relevant to them that I go over a few of the halachas. The parsha starts off the chumash, the varim. Ela hadvarim mashadiber meishal kol yisrael beaver hayarde. Now again, teira flows. Although a muktem muchba teira, there's no earlier or later in teira. We know exactly. Sorry, where Moshe was standing by the end of Bamidbar, standing be'arvei smayov. And yet, here the Torah tells us, "Be'aver hayardin." Any side, the eastern side of the Yardin of the, the Jordan River, was the other side. And the place, the special place that Moshe spoke, Eilahadvarim. These are the words. The place that he was talking was Arvis Mayov. We just had the last passage of a midbar. Eila mitzvah meshpatim, ashativa Hashem gema, ba'arvis Mayov. So why then does the Torah change now and call it, instead of Arvis Mayov, Eivar Hayardin? Arvis Mayov is the name of a specific place in which it was found. Eberayardin is a generalization, any tiny thing on the other side of the Jordan River. Perhaps we could say, Eberayardin is a name that one particular place is called, as far as reference to Eretz Israel. When we talk about the Holy Land of Israel, you have from the other side of the Yardin, across from Israel, is called Evil Yardin. Whereas Arvis Moyov is one particular place. And that doesn't include any other places, it excludes anywhere else. Arvis Moyov is the only place you could be talking about. Now we understand the change between Bamidbar and Dvarim. Seif Bamidbar, as the first three Svarim, Reishis, Shemais HaVayikra, talks about the happenings and journeys of the Eden. Throughout the desert. Whereas Dvarim, is Dvarim HaShadib HaMesha Kal Yisrael, as a preparation for going into the Holy Land of Israel. Mehele Yibana Amin. 
And therefore, in Sefer Bamidbar, where it says the name of the place, it's one of the journeys that the Eden took in Midbar, as all the other sojourns that they that they went through. It's called Arvis Mayov. But in Sefer Devarim, it's called Eva Yardin. To stress that the intention here in this Sefer is not telling us stories. It's not telling us what happened to B'nai Yisrael, but rather everything that's a preparation, introduction to the entering of Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, Eber Ayardin is what it's referred as, and it's not called on its pla- the name of the place itself. Because Eber Ayardin means, I'm on the other side of Eretz Yisrael. According to Primius Atera, see this. Seif Bamidba, as we said now, tells us the happenings and the journeys of Eden. Chsidus explains what is the essence of this parsha talking about the Masois, the journeys of Bnei Yisrael, the Midbar. This was in order to conquer and to minimize the impure kirchis and klipa that we find in the Midbar. The Midbar was a mokim nochosh sarof ve'akrov. It was a place of scorpions, snakes, serpents, Lies and tigers and bears, oh my. When it comes to the end of the journeys, where did the Eden end up? In Arve Ismayev. He didn't come to Arve Ismayev. Thank you. Because Mayev was the lowest Kayach. Of Kerechatumah. Arvais is Erev and Cheshech, the Eve, darkness. So from Arvais Mayav, the Eden finished conquering and diminishing all the Klippas till the lowest of low, to totally abolishing. And now they were ready to go into Israel. Now they abolished all the evil and all the wicked. And therefore you could not hold them back any longer. And the Yidden were able to go into Israel. Safe at the bottom. The idea, the essence of the Chumash. The words that Mesha spoke to the Eden. A preparation, as we said, to going into Eretz Yisrael. So therefore we're saying, the place is known as Ever Hayardin, because the time was already here, and the Eden were ready 
to go into Eretz Yisrael. And they, no, they had now completed totally eradicating all the evil and the wicked. Therefore they no longer had to be in Aravis Mayov. The darkness of Tumah. But their main involvement was now to go up and to raise up and rise up from one level to another. In the Kudakaychas of Kedusha, which is Ever Hayardin, a place that prepares them to go over the Yardin to Israel. Now we see how sweet this Pshat is in the continuation of the Psukim, where it says, Ever Hayardin Be'eretz Moyov. That although it's mentioning Mayav, still in all, it doesn't say Arvis Mayav, but Eretz Mayav. Arvis stresses Erev, Cheshech Mayav, the darkness, the eve of Mayav. Whereas Eretz stresses that this is already in the ground. They already eradicated all the Tumah. And now we have the place to say, Eretz, because Eretz is they wanted to do, as the Russian they wanted to do the yearnings, the, request, the obligations they had to the Abishta. We spoke also last week about the few people, the Shvatim, that wanted to stay on the other side of the Yardin. Interestingly, when we mentioned it, always we say Reuven God Always Reuven preceding God. Reuven was the oldest, etc. But yet the Torah doesn't say it that. The Torah gives us an order of God Reuven Chatzshevis Menasha. What was what was this with God? What was this with God? They were chalutzim. We learned so the argument we spoke about that Moshe had with them. You're going to let your fellow Jews go out and fight, and you're going to sit here on the fat grass with your sheep. And they said, "No, we will go to battle. We won't settle in here until every last Jew is settled in Israel." So we find, though, that Reuven and God, they were chalutzim, they were pioneers. And Rashi says, They went in the front lines to go to war. Why? They were very strong. And their enemies, Nephilim, if they fell before them, Shenemar says in the passage, they detached head and shoulders. This is the first place that we find mention of head and shoulders. I don't remember anywhere in the Torah finding knees and toes, so you just have to keep to the exercise of head and shoulders. Or, Maybe it's advertising the shampoo. Vesiklish. 
they decapitated the head and the shoulder of their enemy. Why? Why did God go before Reuven? Yeah, they were strong. But still in all, we know Yehuda was stronger. Pasuk says about Yehuda, Yod Chabed of Evecho, your hand will be in the neck of the enemy. Gurari Yehuda That is compared He's compared to an Ari. The Ari, the lion, is the melech of the animals. If you give him a score at home, you give him a you give him a base. If that's so, why was it, why does it make sense that before Yehuda went God? Perhaps we can answer says Rashi, with a continuation of the words. Rashi points out what was the strength of Bnei God? Their enemies fell on their faces before them. Even the falling, the way they fell, Rashi describes, the Terev Zerayav Kotkrit, Head and shoulders. He was scored holding him out of brachas, blamed gimel, amed beis. So, what was the difference between Bnei God and Bnei Yehuda's tactics, shall we say? They both were victorious at war. But Yehuda says, Why was the back of the neck, why was the hand by the back of the neck of the enemy? It meant to say that as soon as they saw Yehuda coming, they ran for their bloody lives. They ran for their dear lives. And as they ran for their dear lives, they showed the neck, the back, to Yehuda. Whereas the punishment to this David says in the Pesach, gave the neck. Because they ran away, they turned around and ran for, the, ran for their lives. So in this way, yes, Yehuda was victorious. Yes, Yehuda was the one that drove away the enemy. But, they drove them away. They didn't destroy them. It tells us clearly, they ran for their bloody lives. Better stop using that word. So when it came to Yehuda, since they ran for their lives, they saved their lives. And they remained living. Mashiach came by God. Their enemies fell before them. Therefore, what do we learn from that? We learn from that that the God would decapitate their enemy and therefore the war with the Shiva Amaman 
was more befitting for God to go forth, the Fnei Yisrael Ba'Melchama, because the Melchama had to be won and not leave any survivors. And that's why God outranked Yehuda and flanked the front line. But God put themselves in tremendous danger. Because at the end of the day, they were not the strongest. But they were prepared to give their lives to fulfill HaKadosh Baruch Hu's request. And as HaKadosh Baruch Hu requested, they go in and take over the land. Here they were ready to sacrifice their very lives for it. And they killed off Terev Zreya of Kodkeid, which means to tell us, as we said before, they took off with one swift, one felt swoop, swift fell. They took off the head and the shoulder of a person. One side. No. So this is something very, very powerful. But what do we learn from that? What are you teaching us to go out and learn how to fight? To learn how to get the arts of, of, of uh, sword fighting? Of, of what? What, what, is, what is Taylor has to teach us a lesson. It's not a storybook here. This all makes reference to the constant battle which we battle on a daily basis. That being with our Yetzirah, our worst enemy. And we fight with the Yetzirah in our service to God according to logic. And one needs to devote all their strength to fighting the Sahara in a whole different way. Because when it comes to Kerech HaSeichel of the Yetzirah, to fight, to battle him in a certain way, to come across when we come into the Tivus of the Yetzirah in a different way, and all the Kerechas that we need to apply ourselves. So we tend to turn this way and turn that way. We try to alt control delete. We try to block them on their phone. We try to um, ignore them. Don't engage. But here we're talking about war. Not just war, but war with this nefesh. This teaches us about something that's higher than Seichel. Then we can nullify all the Kechas of the Yitzhara in one swift blow. Because when we come to Mesidus Nefesh, we reveal the Yechidah Shabbat This comes to a Darge, a level which totally nullifies all the kayach of the Yetzirah. It sees the Yetzirah totally helpless 
and useless. Little before we go back to the parsha, and before we go to Hilchasim Kip Tishbov Shabbos on Sunday, so to go quickly once again, completing as we completed Hilchas Beis Habachira, Baruch Hashem Uvezecha had a beautiful crowd every day. Yitzchak Barber, Shiyechia Shlita, gave us a shir every day, practically, in three weeks, and we learned about the dwelling of the Beit Samikdash. I'm not considering this my siyam of Masech Desmidus, just in case I have to make one. But as the last Mishnah completes itself, the last Mishnah that Masechta tells us of the different the shakas, the different rooms that there were. And again, Elizabeth ben Yaakov tells us, Shachachti Mahaisim Mishameshes. Again, Elizabeth ben Yaakov tells us, I forgot what this was used for, although everything else he was able to remember. This is the second time in Mishnah's Midas he says this. And once again, to his rescue, comes Abishol, and he explains. And the end of the Mishnah starts and finishes off. A Kayin that, God forbid, had a flaw. What does he do? Levish Levenim. Excuse me. Levish Chadim. He dons himself in black clothing. And wraps himself in black. It's also, they use the tactic, uh, many women. They wear black because they look skinnier that way. So maybe he wanted to look skinny. And he goes out, he and he goes out from the base of English. If it does not have a blemish in him, he wears white. Nicholas goes in and he serves with all his brothers. And it was a yomtif. When a psul was not found in the children of Arna Kayin. Sorry. And they would say, Baruch Amokim Baruch Hu, Shleinim Tzipsul, Bizarre Shlaren, Baruch Hu Shabach Abaren, Mavana of Lamin, the Shadis of Hashem, the base Kate Kachi Kadosh. And they'd have a special bracha and praise that there was not a flaw found by one of the children of Aaron. Rabbi say this is something that we have a praise and we ask for such a bracha and we should be saying it on a constant daily basis or a constant basis throughout, basis throughout our day. Repeating baruch hamokim baruch And we say to the Abishta. As we say, Goal Yisrael, and hoping the Ebishter, not hoping, anticipating that the Ebishter will listen and redeem the Yidden, so too we say that Baruch HaMokim Baruch Hu, this should be not psul or any zarish of B'nai Yisrael, by any child of the Yidden. There should be no psul, 
There should be no flaw. We should be flawless. And we should not find, God forbid, flaw by one another. We should not find fault by one another. We should find time. This is a time of achanas, of preparation for the Geula Mitzvah Vashlema. And especially now in the nine days, we need to gather ourselves, we need to bring ourselves together, and we need to be Am Yisrael, Echod, one, as a one nation, as one family. And this should be not, nobody should ever find, God forbid, a flaw by a fellow Jew. And if Chas Shalom, you think you see it, the Vashemta says that a flaw that you see by somebody else is a flaw within you. And then you will not Purify your own flaw until you don't see it by somebody else. If you don't see it any longer by anyone else, then you know that you purified yours. And this is a prayer that we say, that we should continue saying, and we should be able to serve. Each and every one of us should be able to serve in our own way. In Beis Hamikdash Hashlishi, of Yemena Omein Sela. This is the last Mishnah Masechus Midas. In the Novi Yeshaya, in Cheskel, we find a very interesting expression. We know that the Malach takes Yechezkel for a walk, or for a flight, or for a tour in his own way. He's all done with a vision, a nevuah. But it's a Malach. And Echazkel knows it's obviously a Malach, because, hey, <laughs> he brought him all the way here, and all of a sudden he sees the Harabais, and all of a sudden he sees everything that's in the Beis Hamidash. So it had to be a Malach. And the Malach, though, does something very condescending. And he tells our Navi, he tells Echazkel, Fi'ato ben Odom, and now you son of man, whoa, Name's Yechezkel. My daddy gave it to me by my bris. Why have to been Adam? It sounds so derogatory. Son of man. Open your eyes. Because that's what happened to you when you hear this pshat. Yechezkel, according to Mepharshim, was a the Nisham of Cain. And therefore he was being massacred everything that Cain had, had done. And therefore when he refers to him as Ben Adam, you're the son of Adam Arishan. He wasn't talking in derogatory terms saying, son of man. He was saying Ben Adam, the son of Adam. What stronger yichas does one have when they say, oh, how proud I am to be the son of my father. And therefore he refers to him as Ben Adam. Son of Adam Arishen, which is who he truly was. And again, Hilchas Beis Mechila and the Rambam finishes off with that same, with the same dinim that we learnt in the Mishnah about the Leviim not being able to sleep on their Mishmeres. The Leviim could not sleep on their shifts. And if a lady was to be found sleeping, the ish the
the, the supervisor, Ish Harabayas, as he was called. The Ish Harabayas came by and said, came, came before him. And he waited for him to react. Ish Harabayas is here. So to jump up and salute, and he didn't move. The Ish Harabayas said, Shalom! And he didn't respond. Uh oh. You're sleeping. Says the Rambam in Halacha, it brings down from the Mishnah that the Kayan, that Ish Harabayas was allowed to beat this slavey. He beat him, and if he really deserved it, they lit his, his clothes on fire. And then the Rambam brings down the continuation of this Halacha. If people were walking by, and heard from Harabayas the screaming, because obviously in the middle of the night, and the scream is all alone, and it's a quiet night, and this guy is screaming for his dear life, if the Ish Harabayas, if a person heard this crying, and screaming, and they said to the other one, Makara, what's going on over here? And they would say, Ay, that's a lady getting his punishment for falling asleep. And this was the lesson This was the lesson that, the, that we have. We may not fall asleep on the job, Rabbi Isai. We are now in motion, in full motion. And we're in full motion and full gear to do one thing and one thing only to help bring Mashiach. Not just help bring Mashiach, but to actually bring him. It's an obligation for each and every one of us. You, you, you and you. It's an obligation for us to find in our hearts and our souls forgiveness to each and every one that have, God forbid, wronged us and to find a positive in everything and to definitely find the positive in our fellow Jew so that we could say, Ish Echod Bulev Echod in Emata Vemanoyim Shevesachim Gam Yochad. And Bizeicha once again, Kashem and Ateval Arashir is Azkan Arai. As we said many times explaining this, that the pearls formed in Aaron's beard as Mesha anoints him. And the reason for that was to show Mesha Rabbeinu that what he did was right. And although Mesha wanted to be the Kayan Gadol, he anoints Aaron Akayan and the Shemin Amishka comes down and becomes pearls on the side of his face, to which Mesha understood from this, oh how beautiful, oh how wonderful, and oh how happy Mesha was, that his brother was indeed fit, although he wanted it, but his brother was indeed fit for this. Rabbi Yisraeli Shabbos is Erev Tishabov. Shabbos is Shabbos. You don't change Shabbos. 
we eat, drink, and be merry. Ain't Avelis. There's no Avelis on Shabbos. No morning on Shabbos. And therefore we need to eat to our heart's content and drink. Even the Shalash of this. There is no Sudas of Mavsekis, Chasashon. And you can eat Sudas of after Mincha if you're not davening a bell of Mincha. Everything has to be finished before Shkia. We don't sit down and make a Benash Moshes at that time, though. If there's a British meal on Shabbos, it's made before Mincha. Obviously, with your family, you can eat and bench with Zuman. It needs to stop while it's still day. Once it becomes Shkia, you cannot do anything. Limbo is not the word. You cannot wash your hands, you cannot change your shoes, you cannot, you cannot, 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 nothing. Nothing happens at that time from Shkia until you go to Marev. It's amazing. You cannot go off your mind either, so therefore you can't go off your mind. Um, one may not take off the shoes until after Baruch or until his man. The Chazan says Baruch before he says Baruch and he changes his shoes. So he shouldn't get confused with davening. Uh, excuse me, I left out something else. What one should do, they should not take, you're not allowed to take the shoes on Shabbos to, even if you have a native, you're not allowed to take your shoes to shul, you're not allowed to take your kinnis to shul unless it's a fancy kinnis leather bound that you got from your collar, and therefore you want to read from it properly, and you want to enjoy it, and it has all pictures in it, and you want to sit and study it. Otherwise, leave the kinnis home until you're ready to have to go to shul. As a matter of fact, Unfortunately, some might even think that they have to buy a kinnis on Friday. Yup. Because when else are you going to get a kinnis? After all, can't buy it on Shabbos. You definitely can't have a kinnis at home. Who keeps a kinnis from year to year? Not supposed to. You just leave it in shul. The leather bounds you got from your collar is something else. Especially if your shvag gave it to you and hugged you afterwards. <laughs> then, you obviously can't can't leave that in shul. I mean, after all, <laughs> Shvei comes over and doesn't see it right in the middle of his shas. He's going to say, "Huh? What's the gishem of the kinnis?" So, um, to avoid shalom by his problems, you have to take that one home probably. But otherwise, a person should not have kinnis just handy. Although it's very ironic here, you see people with these old kinnis that their grandfathers are using still. What are you keeping this as a what? You want to show it to your great-grandchildren as a Mosman Come on. Not going to need it next year. And you need to believe that. You need to understand that. You need to go into shul with that. You need to go into Tishbub with it. So you do not prepare anything for Tishbub. Uh, we say Avarachim by day, we don't say it's Kasuba Mincha. We don't learn anything from Chatzay Sayyid. 
Whoa, people, stop jumping for joy. Calm down. Shesh um, Pesh, not recommended on Shabbos. Pirkei Avis, not said after Mincha. There are those far-fetched that think they do, but it's not happening. Um, one stays home until this month. Maidav usually starts 10 minutes later in Shul, giving everybody time to get to Shul. You say, as we said before, Baruch HaMadu B'Kesh Zechel first. And after saying Baruch HaMadu B'Kesh Zechel, you change your shoes. And you go to Shul. All Shiurim should be finished. Tehillim and everything. If I guess, if Tehillim is said for a Chayla, maybe you can. Um... So then, at that point, you would wear your shoes to shul after Baruch Hamavdul, and you'd get the shuls. I was saying it before Baruch, but it's done. The benches should not be turned over. Oh, very important because I'm running out of time. I'm not going to be able to get and cover all the halachas. I guess you'll have to go to Chabad.org or something to find out the rest of them. Very important. You may not eat on Shabbos. Wow. You may not eat and say to yourself, "Oh, I better be able to fast better." I'm going to eat on Shabbos so that I can fast better tomorrow. That is a chanam Shabbos l'chil. You may not do that. You have to eat everything you can on Shabbos. Eat whatever you want on Shabbos. You can eat Shabbos this as much as you want. You can bench Rebecca as long as you do before Shkia. Although many people have a meaning not to eat, not to drink between Mincha and Maidiv on Shabbos. Those who have Mincha a little later. If you have Mincha substantially before Shkia, you may drink this Shabbos before you may eat or drink anything. Benching, if it takes place after Shkia, it takes place after Shkia, but you may, at that point, if you bench with the Becha, you don't use the Becha. When Shabbos finishes, prior to going to Shul, for the men, and for those ladies that do so as well, you light two matches together, or a candle, two candles together, and you make the Bracha, um, not really, because it's not something that, for the fast and everything else, but if one feels they need it because the, during the fast something else, but it's not much of Shabbos for it. Havdola is made on Sunday night. Laundry is not done until Monday afternoon after Chatzais. Fleishiks may not be eaten until Monday after Chatzais. Um, and the main thing, I guess, as we complete the Shir Hashem. The main thing is to say, we're not going to have to fast this year, and we're not going to have to prepare ourselves in all these chachanas. We're not going to have to think about this even. We'll never have to think again about the churban, because we will see this Shabbos, Shabbos Chazain, we will see the Binya Beis Hamikdash Ashlishi, Haidei Mashiach Tzitkenu, as it comes down from Lamaila, and takes us in Harabayis, and we all go, Akamfei Nisharim, Gizuntahit, to all that need it, and we'll find ourselves in Mashiach, Tzidkenu Melech HaMashiach, for us, good Shabbos and good Yom Tif.